0: I am a teacher, and this is a series that that I've been talking about over the last several weeks, there is a real benefit in, in sitting under a good teacher. There's a real benefit of having good teaching because you don't have to worry about what the teacher's teaching when you sit under a good teacher. If Jesus was here and he was teaching us, just like when Mary was sitting at his feet and Mary was listening to the words of the teacher, to Jesus, she didn't have to worry if Jesus was going to mislead her or misdirect her. She was going to trust the words she says. And this is what we hope for when it comes to teachers. We hope that people are teaching good things. But unfortunately, our society does not hold on to God's word that way in and outside the church. Inside the church, we we hope that I would be a good teacher, that I would teach you good things, things that are according to the word of God. And I pray I do. Matter of fact, I have no problem with the messages that I preach, because if there is something you don't disagree with, if there's something I've taken out of scripture, then we could talk about those things. And if I was wrong, I would correct it. And I would, because I don't want, I don't imagine to be or pretend to be someone who knows everything. But a lot of times, teachers have agendas and they have different issues that they want to promote. So I think it's an important conversation. Our society does not hold on to God's Word. It's affecting inside the church as well. Because we've had generations after generations of people learning to ignore God's written Word. People today, grandparents, mothers, fathers, children, all have been raised without the Bible being a part. Of their life people will say that you know it was since the 60s when when we had prayer taken out of school that that's when things started to fall apart in our society in our culture but it goes much further than that because it really is about when the modern age of science has removed the the bible from our life when the modern age of science has removed god's word from being god's word and the result of that is chaos. The result of the scientific revolution, which I believe is the last great change that happened in our society, where, where no longer were we physical and spiritual people, but we became separated. Where now the spiritual was something you could do with your religion. But if you want to know about the natural world, if you want to know about how things operate in your body or in, in your in your life or in this world, then listen to science. And there was this split that happened. And and if you notice our society, we no longer have a sense of spirituality in our life. We just have understanding and reason. And this is why our world is in chaos. This is why we have furries that are in our schools. Kids that think they are actually pets. And, and, And what do our schools do? Schools will compensate for it, and they will, they will install special bathrooms. This is why we have chaos. This is why we have drag shows happening in schools where we have uh, people that are dressing up that are completely opposite of what the Bible teaches, trying to teach our young children and make them accept that this is normal. This is the result of chaos. We also have a movement called age play that is affecting... Adults, where adults are trying to play roles as kids. Let me give you an example. I just have to worry about things that children worry about. So usually I'd make Phil something fresh, like a blended bacon sandwich. But it's hard when us like this, so I'm just doing this for now. I actually enjoy running around after Phil. We've never had kids of our own, and uh, we don't plan to. So it's kind of like being a parent, but without the pain of giving birth. I personally think that age play adds a whole new dimension to our relationship. It makes us stronger. We love each other more. We bond together. I just hope that people can leave us to live our lives the way we want to live them without judgment. You may think this is strange. You may have chuckled. You may have thought, what in the world are you talking about, pastor? But this is the result of what happens when you remove God's word from our culture, from our world. This, is, this wasn't a parody. This was an actual documentary done in, in Europe about people wanting to play different roles they don't understand what the bible says god is not a part of this and this is this is something that we kind of will sometimes dismiss it and say ah it's just crazy kids just acting weird It's it's a phase it's a fad no these are the results of what happens when you remove god because the bible tells us that we're not animals The Bible tells us that we are male and female. The Bible tells us that we need to work, that we need to do something with our life, that God has a purpose and a plan for us. The real danger is when you remove God's Word from our life. And the Bible has warned us over and over again about the importance of holding fast to the Word of God. If you start to neglect the Bible, if you start to ignore the Word of God in your life, if you don't, if you don't hold on to it, You will fall away and start to believe things that are completely opposite of the Bible. You'll start to believe things that are completely opposite of the Bible. That's why it says in Hebrews 2, verse 1, it says this: that we must pay careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. The Bible tells us we must pay a careful attention to what we've heard, so that we do not drift away. There is a drifting that is happening in the body of Christ. It's already happened in the world. They don't know God. They don't understand God. And now you have all this chaos that is happening. But inside the body of Christ, there is this drifting that is going away. A A gradual degrade of what you truly believe. You're giving up the truth over time. You're letting things slip. And it doesn't it does, it's, it's not obvious to us as, as all the time. We don't see it happening all the time. But there's these little steps that happen. And then over time you realize, wow, I'm really lost. This is the danger. We live in a crucial time. We live in a time when, when the world has removed the power and the authority of God's Word from our life, from our homes, from our church, from our workplace, from society. We live in a time in history where God's word is not important anymore to people. This is why things can change so quickly. Our enemy has moved in and established its agenda right under our noses. And he's moved in and he's taken. Why? Because we don't have the authority and the power that we used to have. Now, I'm I'm making a generalized statement. I'm not saying any of you here don't have the power of God's Word in you. I pray and I believe that all of you are seeking the Lord. All of you are reading His Word. All of you are getting into God and doing your best to find Him and He's revealing Himself to you. But I'm talking about, in a larger sense, the church that has lost its power. How does this happen? It's because of the teachers. And it's been going on for a while. Let me give you an example. There is a theory called the gap theory. The gap theory. Let me read the first three verses of Genesis. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was life. Now this is an example of how teachers are inserting things into God's Word, which is resulting in a false belief. You see, this is the gap theory, or some people call it the gap fact, or some people call it a ruin ruin reconstruction theory and so forth. And basically the story goes like this. In verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, is when the first earth was created, the one that's all the way to the, the left. That's the first one, the empty world, and we don't know much about it, but we do know this that the sons of gods were there, that the angels were there. This was their domain. You see, because it says in Isaiah 14, verse 13, you said in your heart, and this is God speaking to Satan, you said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens and I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly of the utmost on the heights of Mount Zephon. So the devil... Because he wants to ascend into the heavens and above God, must be here on Earth. And so the gap theory places the devil and all his angels and all the sons of gods on the earth during this time. And what happened was, was that the devil rebelled, He, he went against what, what God wanted. He tried to make himself like God, and so God had to punish sin. And that's where verse two comes in, right in the middle, this great flood. Because remember, it says in Genesis, now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. God steps in and He destroys the first earth. You see, it's like this. If I wanted to build a house, I would sit there and I would lay the foundation and I would put up the frame and I would would put the roof on and I would put the sidewalls on. I would do everything I can to build this house and then all of a sudden, the flood comes, and it covers everything. Well, that doesn't make sense, because if I'm building a house, why would I flood it? And this is where the gap theory comes in, where it says that this is a form of punishment and judgment. Because whenever that, the, the words formless and empty happen in the Old Testament, it's, it's dealing with judgment. And so the Bible tells us that judgment happened, and so the theory is, the thought is, that because the sons of God rebelled against God, he had to flood the whole earth and destroy everything because of sin. Jeremiah 4.23 says, I looked at the earth, it was formless and empty, just like it said in Genesis 2. 1, 2. I looked at the, the earth and it was formless and empty. This was a judgment. And so God sends this big old flood to destroy the first earth and the corruption of sin. Now verse 3 happens, and now we have the present earth. And this is where God said, let there be light. He didn't have to recreate an earth. He just had to remove the waters and start over again. And this is where Adam and Eve in the literal 6 day of creation happens. This is the gap theory. But there are some problems. Did Satan actually live here? Did he actually live here? Because the argument was that Satan was on the first earth. He wanted to be like God, so he wanted to ascend above God. And and so we assume that he's here on earth. But the problem is, if you read the previous verse before in Isaiah about this ascending to heaven, it says this. How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of dawn. You've been cast down to earth, you who once laid the nations low. So God is saying, listen. You made a mistake and now you've been cast down. So it's completely off with the idea that Satan lived here and then he wanted to go to heaven and then he was cast back down. The Bible says that he was cast down to earth. Even Jesus recognizes this in Luke 10, 18. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Not from this first earth, but from heaven. And the second problem is this the verse 2 where it talks about the the chaotic earth and how God had to flood it and get rid of all the sin and all the stuff that was bad. Well, this doesn't make sense because the one person that is responsible for sin, and we know this, that the wages of sin is death, the one person that is responsible for all this chaos was Lucifer, was Satan, and guess who survives this flood? Satan. So if God was going to deal with Satan, Why did he let him survive? Adam sinned, and what does the Bible tell us about Adam? That Adam died. Adam died because of sin. But Lucifer, for some reason, gets to escape this great chaos, and he continues to live. Him and the fallen angels, they come, they destroy the first earth, and then God punishes him and destroys this earth, and they live. That's not the case. Also, verse 3, when we talk about the new earth, Now you have a new beginning because of this flood of judgment that destroyed everything. The earth was formless and empty, and now the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. But the question is, did God destroy the heavens too? You see, according to this theory, God destroyed the earth, the first earth. But did He destroy the heavens too? Because you have a problem when you get to Exodus chapter 20. And in the book of Exodus, it tells us this, verse 1, God spoke all these words. So what I'm going to read to you is what God Himself spoke. And this is what He said. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and He rested on the seventh day. In six days He made the heavens and the earth. Not in six days He made just the earth. He made the heavens and the earth. Because in the gap theory... They don't talk about the heavens being destroyed. They don't deal with the heavens because that was all done on verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But the Bible says that in six days, God did it all. And the problem is this, is you also need a couple things. You need a couple earths. You need two earths. You need two floods because there's one with Noah and one here before. And you also need two gardens because Ezekiel tells us that the serpent, the devil, was a seal of perfection, Ezekiel 28, 12, full of wisdom, perfect, in beauty, and you were in Eden, the garden of God. So the Bible tells us that Satan was in Eden, the garden. Well, there was another garden before. You see, it it just continues to add up every time you add into Scripture. So how did this theory come about? And this is why I'm saying teachers are important to teach us the truth about God's Word. Here's the reason why this theory came about. It was from the notes of Schofield and the Schofield Reference Bible. I've had a copy of the Schofield Reference Bible. It was written like 1909, something like that. It's a, it, it's a, it was one of the, the premier works at the time to help people understand. And this is what he wrote in his note on verse 2. Jeremiah and Isaiah clearly indicate that the earth had undergone a cataclysmic change as a result of a divine judgment. The face of the earth bears everything, every mark of such a catastrophe. And he's talking about the fossil record. And it's connected with a previous testing and falling of angels. One man writes his opinion about what this verse means. And next thing you know, we have a gap theory. But what was Schofield trying to reconcile? Here's the problem. At his time, in his age, there was this thing that was happening. It was called evolution. And evolution was rising. And science has proven that our world was now billions of years old. Science has proven that our world was now billions and billions with all of these fossil records and all of this historic plant life and all of this historic animals. All these things, science has now proven it. So Schofield is trying to reconcile modern science and the Bible. And this is what he says. Yes, science is right. The earth is old. That's the first earth. But the Bible's right that God did it all in six days. That's the second earth. And so now you have an old earth with a young creation, our second earth. And he's trying to mend the two together. But the problem that you have is now you start messing up everything else. Because when it comes to Noah's flood, now Noah's flood is not a worldwide universal flood. Noah's flood has to be a very small local flood. Why? Because Noah's flood would have ruined all of the fossil records. You see, so now you have to change the Noah's flood. So you get to Noah, but here's the problem with Noah's flood the Bible says that the water greatly rose in the earth, and all the high mountains under the entire heavens were covered. God tells us it was worldwide. God tells us this flood was huge. This is the problem with teachers. When we try to adopt modern science with God's Word, we come up with things like with the gap theory or the framework hypothesis or the day age and all this stuff instead of just letting the Scriptures speak for themselves. You see, I've come to learn over the years that I don't want to interject my opinion in the Bible. Now, I know that's very hard, and I'm not saying I'm perfect at it. I have my own biases. I understand that. But I try to remove myself from the text as much as I can. Why? Because this is God's Word. This is His truth. And you say, Pete, why do you care so much about the creation story? Why do you care so much? Because here's why I care so much. People will argue that the creation story has nothing to do with salvation. It's, it's not really a salvation story. People will tell me, people have told me, listen, Pete, just, just preach Jesus. Don't, don't worry about this creation stuff. Just, just preach Jesus. People tell me to, to focus more on other things instead of the story because, because there's so many theories, there's so many opinions about it. No one knows what's going on in the creation. So just don't worry about it and just move on. But I can't. I can't. And here's why. There is a domino effect that happens when we mess up the creation story. There are results that happen when you start changing the creation story. Let me ask you this. If we removed a gospel from the Bible, would you still have a good understanding of who Jesus was? If we were just removed, let's just say the book of Matthew? Would you still know who Jesus was? I mean, you can kind of get the story you know, because Luke tells it, and, and I mean, you may not understand it from the Jewish perspective like Matthew, but John tells us who Jesus is, Luke tells us who Jesus is, Mark tells us who Jesus is. Let's, let's tell you this, let's remove the book of Jude from the Bible. Would anyone's faith be corrupted because we remove? how many even know there was a book of Jude in the Bible, right? I mean, if you remove the book of Jude, no big deal, right? I mean, who knows where Moses' body's buried anyways. I mean, let's just get that book out of there. You still would have the Bible story. If you removed some of the letters from Paul, if you removed some of the history books, you may not understand all the pieces, but you can kind of figure out the story. But what happens if you remove the book of Genesis from the Bible? What happens if you remove the book of Genesis from the Bible? All of a sudden, you would never understand who created this world. Well, in, in in you say, well, Paul said that you know, or the Book of Hebrews said, excuse me, the Book of Hebrews said that is by faith that we know that God created the universe. But if you remove Genesis from the story, who created it? No one would know. No one would know who created this world. You would not know how we got here. You would not know the purpose of our life here on earth. You would not know that there was a difference between mankind and animals. You wouldn't know that it's His breath that is inside of us, that we were made in the image of God. You would never know that. And so when the Bible tells us that we were children of God, born of God's will, we would never know that because we didn't know we were even made in His image and His likeness. We would never know that we had to die because of sin. We would never know how sin came here. We would never know that there was something more beautiful than this place, that God really wants to have a relationship with His family. We'll never know that. We'll never know that even though we made mistakes, God promised Abraham that He was going to restore His people once again. we we'll would never know that. You see, this is why I believe Genesis has been one of the most attacked books of the Bible. Because the devil does not want you to know how he got his authority. And the other most attacked book in the Bible is Revelation. Because the devil doesn't want you to know that it doesn't end well for him. The, there is a reason why Genesis has been attacked. And let me just speak very frankly as a pastor. Because you know, I deal with other pastors. And it usually goes like this. Ah, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Why? Because we have no idea how to reconcile modern science and the Bible. We have no idea how to stand up before scholarly people and, and, and say, no, I believe in the literal reading of Genesis. Why? Because we put so much value in man's word instead of the Bible. We put so much value in science instead of the Bible. Now, I'm not here being anti-science. I'm not anti-science. But the foundation Of the scientific revolution has changed the way the Bible has been considered God's Word over these last almost 500 years. Because what did the Bible say? The Bible tells us some interesting things. When you read the story of Joshua, all movement belongs to the sun and the moon. And here comes one man named Copernicus who tells us no, 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 no. It's the earth that moves not the sun, not the moon. You see, it's the earth that moves, which is completely opposite of what God said. And so all of a sudden, what do we do with it? And if you're someone like Schofield, you try to make the two work together and it doesn't end well. I believe that we must stick to the word of God. And by the way, if you don't understand why I completely don't even believe the scientific revolution, and all of the theories that we have about the universe. I happen to have a book about it. It's called Proving the Bible Wrong, and I write about my beliefs. (laughs) I didn't start off this way. It started off when the Lord asked me, what if Genesis 1 was correct? You see, because I had a problem, I would teach what everyone would teach. Oh, there's theories and we don't. All I know is God did it. But I'll tell you, God's word is God's word. And how can I worship my God in spirit and in truth if I don't even know what his text says? If I don't even know what the Bible says? How can I teach you truth if I don't even know what the truth is? You see, I have a simple belief about God, that he loves us and he wants us to know him. And so what does he do? He says, I want, I want you to know me. He gives, gives us his word. He gives us his word. And what has man done over these last, since the, since, well, since our enemy has done since the Garden of Eden is to try to get us to not believe God's word. Just even yesterday, as I was driving home, got done cutting the grass at church and I was driving home, and just even yesterday I thought, you know, everything, and this was something the Lord just kind of laid on my heart, kind of gave me an understanding of how to, how to say this. Everything in the Bible speaks to the truth of who God is. The Bible, inside the text, inside the Word of God, it speaks to the truth of who God is. He is compassionate. He's gracious. He's loving. He's forgiving. He's, he's, he's just Everything about God speaks about His truth. Everything outside of the Bible tells me different. Everything outside of the Bible tells me I'm going to fail. Everything outside of the Bible tells me I'm not loved. Everything outside of the Bible tells me that God is not for me, but He's against me. And that's why the attack of God's Word has been going on since the Garden of Eden, because the moment that God's Word fails us, He's a liar. But my God is not a liar. And he's not, a, he's not like the Son of Man. He doesn't change His mind. And when He speaks, He acts. And when He promises, He fulfills. And I'll tell you, this is why we need to hold on to God's Word. And I know that there are people that are brilliant. And there's people that are scholars who could run circles around the wisdom I have in my head. But I am not seeking the wisdom of this world. I'm seeking the one who told me I will have the spirit of God live in me and he will guide me into all truth. You'll not need a teacher to tell you who God is. I will write it on your heart. You see, us common folk can know the Lord. So this is why the Bible has been removed from our society. The Bible tells us that not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. I agree 100% with this verse. I, as your teacher, will be judged more strictly, and I will be held accountable to what I teach you. I know this. But don't worry, I'm not afraid. Because what I want to teach you is the truth of God's Word. I don't want to teach you my opinion. I don't want to teach you my thoughts or theories about genesis i just want to tell you what genesis says i just want to tell you what jesus said because it's his word that i want to stand upon and because of this i know that when i go to heaven he's going to look at me and says pete you couldn't pronounce half the words in the bible but you got it right son good job thank you lord thank you why because i just want to tell you about him when i was a christian and well when i gave my heart back to the lord and i decided i'm going to live for him I struggled so much with with Christianity and the way I was living. I would go to to the altar on Sunday morning repenting of the sins that I had committed over the week. And And then I would go that Sunday morning I'd be at the altar asking Jesus forgive me. That Sunday night I'm at the altar asking Jesus forgive me. Because I just kept falling and falling and falling and falling. And finally... Finally, the Word of God became important to me, and I I dedicated my life to the Word of God. And it was His Word that washes. It's His Word that brings His, His presence, His peace, His knowledge, His wisdom, and begin to wash out all those other things. And all of a sudden, my ups and downs of Christianity just began to settle down. And all of a sudden, I realized that it is His Word that changed me from the inside out. It's His Word that helped me hear His voice. It's his word that helped me believe that I was actually someone special to him. It's his word that taught me he created all things and when he speaks it will happen. That's why I believe it's important to be a good teacher. Second Peter tells us this. But there are also false prophets among you. Now Paul is talking or Peter, excuse me, Peter's talking to the church. He's talking to the church. He says this, but there were also false prophets among you. The people just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies. These teachers are going to introduce things that will be destructive to your faith. Now, if I sat up here today and I said, hey, I want to teach you something, that God is not actually the creator of this universe. It was Bob Ross, who painted on the canvas of life. Well, obviously you know that's not true. My daughter Olivia might think it was true; she loves Bob Ross, but but she would even know he didn't create this world. I didn't. That's obvious. But if I started to teach something like the Gap Theory and I provided scripture of scripture, you may say, "I don't know if I agree with that." No, but you would never. You probably wouldn't walk away from church thinking, "Man, Pete, you're just such a liar." Why? Because there's some trust that you have with the teacher. And the Bible says that Peter tells us that there are people that are going to secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them. That there are going to be teachings that are going to infiltrate the church that are actually going to turn us away from God. But it won't happen right away. It'll happen over time. It'll happen over time. My wife wrote me a note over 13 years ago that's still on my wall. Finish well. Finish well. The only way we're going to finish well is if we stay and hold true to the Word of God. Because there, there's destructive heresies that are, that are even denying the Sovereign Lord who brought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Look at this, verse 2. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has been long hanging over them and the destruction has not been sleeping. They will bring the way of truth into disrepute. Jesus, even who Jesus is, will start to be corroded and who we believe He is. You'll start to see this happen. Why? Because of greed. These teachers that like authority and power and they, they like to be known as the smartest people in the whole world. I don't like to be known as the smartest guy. When I go to like meetings with other pastors or with other people in faith, I don't like to walk in the room saying I'm the smartest guy in the whole world. I mean, I know it, but I just don't like to... <laughs> I don't like to do that. Why? Because I'm always wanting to learn. I'm always wanting to know that someone else maybe has better insights or someone else maybe had a a different... But I want to know the text more than anything. I want to know the Bible. I want to know the Bible. I don't ever want to fall away from Jesus. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Stories that they just make up to promote heresies to get you to start to doubt the Word of God, just like the gap theory that promotes the ideal of this first earth and Satan being judged, but yet he lives, and now we got two gardens and two floods and two creations. They introduce things into Scripture, fabricated stories, and the Bible says that their condemnation be held over. Listen, I'm not here judging anyone. I'm not I'm not, I don't want to be a preacher that gets up here and bashes other churches or other ministries. Matter of fact, usually when I say things about other churches or anything, I never give a description of who they are. I don't say they're Baptist or Lutheran or Catholic. I try not to do that. I try not to do that. I don't mention uh, people's names because that's not the point. The point is, is that I just want to tell you what they're doing or what they're saying because I, I don't want to be someone who condemns people. That's not my job that's the Lord's but I just want to be a good teacher. There are false teachers among us even in the church. This is what it says in 1st or 2nd Corinthians. And no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then that his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. You notice the Bible says that the devil's servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. There are people that we would consider to be godly, considered to be authoritative in God's word, that are teaching made-up stories, teaching fabricated stories, and they masquerade as servants of righteousness. Why would they masquerade as servants of righteousness? So that you will become deceived. That's why. So that you will not know the power of God that lives in you. You will not know who God is. That you will be led away and led astray. And that's why it's so important when the Bible told us that we will start to slide, we will start to drift away if we do not hold on to God's word. We must hold on to the teachings of the Bible and what God says no matter what. I don't care what science or pictures or videos are ever displayed, nothing can prove God's Word wrong. Nothing. God's Word is God's Word, and I will hold on to it. Now, people may say that I'm naive because I believe like a child. People may say I'm just nuts because I believe what God's Word actually says. But you know what? I'm not giving an account of my beliefs to you. I'm giving it to God. And I think it's so important that we understand what God did with His Word. The Bible says that it is God-breathed. It's not just a book. It is His breath. And we must hold on to God's Word. So I am a teacher. I'm going to give you just several things here of what, what a teacher, what me as a teacher wants to convey to you. And I'm going to go through these pretty quickly. First of all, I am a teacher who believes that the Bible, that the Bible is God-breathed. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. As a teacher, I believe this, that God's word is from him. It is inspired by him. It is his breath. It is living. It is moving. It is active. And it is the one that will cut right down to the very heart and the issues in our life. God's word is alive. It's his breath. The Bible says that all Scripture, that means the Old Testament too, the passages you have no idea what they're talking about. Those things are inspired of God and He did it so that we would know Him. And what does the Bible say? That it it would be used so that we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. If you want to fulfill God's work in your life, you need His Word because you'll never have enough. You'll never have enough unless you finally allow God's Word to be hundred percent in your life. So, as a teacher, I believe that God's word is God breathed. The second thing I believe is this: is that God's word. As a teacher, I believe that God's word, the Bible, is flawless. I believe this. Why? Psalm eighteen thirty tells us, "As for God, His way is perfect. The word, the Lord's word, is flawless. It's flawless." The ideal of flawless is this, that there are no impurities. Everything that is impure has been removed. There's nothing within God's Word that is a lie, that is a half-truth, or is misleading. Everything that God has allowed in His Word is flawless. It's perfect. It's right. It's true. And when the Bible tells you that He forgives you of your sin and He remembers them no more, that is true. I don't care if you can remember them. He doesn't. When the Bible says that he washes you for with all unrighteousness is gone, that's true. It doesn't matter. It's gone. When the Bible tells you that he is for you and not against you, that's true. When the Bible says that he is slow, patient, compassionate, it's true. I don't care if you disagree with me, it's true. Listen, it's hard preaching with a baby in church, Carissa. Listen, listen, I'm not trying to call you all It's hard preaching with a baby. You want to know Why? Because you got people behind you doing this for the whole service. Yeah, pay attention. One word I said watching that baby. That's okay. I know. I believe that the word is flawless. Third thing I believe is that the Bible is revealed by God. The Bible says that, that no prophecy had its origin in human will, but prophets through human spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Bible is been revealed by God. So when God revealed himself to people, to Moses, this was his word that he wanted to reveal. It did not start with Moses. Moses didn't sit down and say, let me write the story of creation the way I think it happened. No. God says, Moses, this is what happened. I made a firmament that holds water above it and below it. Uh, God, hmm, you know hate to say this, but that's kind of outer space. No, 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 Moses. I wrote it. And you know what God also said? That he put water above the sun and the moon and the stars. But, but wait a minute, God. Listen, I hate to tell you this, but a few thousand years later, this guy named Nicholas Copernicus is going to going to make you completely wrong. He's going to prove you wrong. No, God said, I made the moon a light. Well, wait a minute, God. Listen, One day, NASA is going to tell us that it reflects the light of the sun. God, please don't put that in there. No. God said, God said, God said. This is God's story, not Moses. And so that's why I believe that it was revealed by God. Revealed. That we would never know the story unless God did it. So that's why I'm going to be a teacher who preaches the revealed word of God. Another thing that as a teacher, I believe that the Bible does not lie. Now, this is a very simple principle that I go by. God is not a human that he should lie, nor the human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? God never lies in his word. And I don't care if it's poetry or historical or phenomenological language, whatever you may say, whatever, however title you want to put on God's word and what book you're talking about, what genre. I am telling you, God does not lie. He does not tell you half-truths just so that you understand it. He speaks his truth. That's why I believe the Word of God. That's why I believe I am favored of God. That's why I believe that God has provided for me. That's why I believe God has healed me. That's why I believe God has chosen me. And that's why I believe that I've been thoroughly equipped for every good work and that I will see it to its completion. Why? Because God is for me and not against me. I believe it 100% because he never lies. He never lies. Another thing is the Bible is knowable. The Bible is knowable. And I think this is important for you to understand. Jesus says, but when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will speak not on His own, but He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is to co- yet to come. Jesus tells us that you and me will be able to know Him and His Word. We'll be able to know all the truth found in the scripture. Why? Because either Jesus said something correct that when he comes he will guide you into all truth or what Jesus says is incorrect that when we have the word of God and they have the spirit of God inside of us we still won't know what the truth is. So either Jesus told the truth or he did it. I don't know about you but I'm going to side on the behalf of Jesus telling the truth. And the Bible says that the Spirit of God will guide you to all truth. So when you pick up the text, you don't have to be the greatest scholar. You don't have to have the greatest education. You don't even have to read well. You don't even have to write well. You don't have to do any of those things well. God will speak to you. I'll tell you this. The only book I ever read in school was The Hobbit. And I had a hard time reading that because I couldn't read well. then I picked this thing up called the Bible, and you know what happened? I discovered that he was breathing into me his word, and it became alive. And all of a sudden, it got to the point where I like to read now. You see, God's word is knowable. Don't be afraid of the book of Revelation. He wrote it for you. Don't be afraid of the book of Genesis. He wrote it for you. Don't be afraid of the book of Psalm and you misunderstanding what poetry is. He wrote it for you. He wrote all of those things for you so that you would know Him. This is what I truly believe. I believe that the Bible is knowable. You can believe it. That, that the Bible has been revealed to us. And this is what I will do as a teacher. What do we do from here, though? How do we go from here? What, how do we? Because listen, I know this is a different type of message. How do we respond to this message? The first thing I want you to do To know that in order for you to know God's Word, you have to get into God's Word. I know I didn't teach you anything dramatic there, but it's important. Take time. Get into God's Word. Get into the Bible. Start reading passages. Start reading the Bible. And I'm not talking about devotionals. I'm not talking about little things that you can use to help you with your Bible reading. I'm talking about just the text. Now, I have nothing against devotionals. I have nothing against things to help you or you know you want to get a quick read in just someone to give you a little inspiration i have no problem with that if that's just your dessert but if you're using that to to feed yourself spiritually you're never going to have enough of god's word in your life because when when someone gives a devotion it is simply the byproduct of their understanding their wisdom their knowledge that they've learned from god sharing it with you and that's great but there's nothing like when God's Word speaks to you because it is living, it is active. There's something spiritually happening when you read the Bible. Get into His Word. Get into His Word. And, and here's so just a couple things I want you to do this week. Number one, make time to get into His Word. Spend extra time if you have to. Get into His Word. The second thing, I want you to read and believe what you read. I don't want you to try to figure out what the text is trying to say. The Bible tells us that that we are to trust in Him and to seek Him. And don't lean upon your own understanding. Don't try to figure it out. Just trust what He says. Read what He says and believe it. Believe what He says. You know, the the Bible verse that people read that have a hard time believing is this. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We have a hard time believing that when it comes to everyday life. The Bible says that I can ask anything in the name of Jesus and it will come to pass. We have a hard time believing that. Just believe it. Just go for it. So this, this, this week, get into God's Word. This week, just continue to believe what you read. And let God speak to you. Let Him speak to you. Would you stand this morning as we bring this to a close? Heavenly Father, there is a movement that is happening in our world when it comes to teachers. Teachers that are teaching things that are not from you. Teaching things that are very subtly wrong. And we don't really see it all the time. But Lord, it's not based upon your truth. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be people who have discernment of the Spirit. To know the truth. To get into the Word of God. To be people of the Word. So that we would always seek you. Always know you. Always love you. So Lord, I just pray, Father, you would help us all of us, including me to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, to be guided into all truth, and to believe everything we read because this is your word that you reveal to us so that we can know you. And Lord, help us all to know you. Just like Paul told the church of Ephesus, I pray that each one of these people here will be given a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they know you better. I pray this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. God bless you this week.